This is the New Life Rancho Vista podcast. We are a church committed to loving God, growing together, and serving others. Our prayer and desire is that this message from our campus pastor, Peter Moore, will be a help and an encouragement to you, regardless of where you are in your relationship with Jesus. So let's open our hearts and minds as we turn our attention to the incredible truths God has for us today. Thank you so much, Isaac, and I'm so grateful that all of you would lift your hearts in worship. You know, we can unite our hearts in worship even though we're in separate locations. I hope you'll worship every single day of the week, and uh, we're so thankful to be in a study in Luke. Man, I love Luke. I love the fact that he was a medical doctor. I love the fact that he has just an attention to detail, and the Holy Spirit really used that. You know, Luke was known for being strong, for having confidence. Um, Actually, uh, all of the uh, portrayals of Luke Luke over in the Middle East are all with an ox because he was just reliable. He was a hard worker. And uh, and so we're so thankful to be in this book. Last week, we talked about the temptation of Jesus and how we can overcome temptation. If you did not get that message, I would really encourage you uh, to go online, download the notes, uh, watch that message. It was a huge help to me spiritually studying Luke chapter 4, 1 through 13. But then we're going to continue in the study. Now, we're not going to go verse by verse through Luke, but we're going to hit the main points. And what we're doing is we're going through what Jesus said about the life worth living. And I want to encourage you that even though you're in a difficult season, we're all in a difficult season, that should not keep you from living the life God designed you to live. It should not keep you from not just surviving, but thriving in your Christian life. And so when Jesus was coming out of uh, the area of Jordan into the wilderness, right before that happened, he went down into the Jordan River and he did something that was really in in that day remarkable. He was baptized by John the Baptist. And in that baptism, we read in Luke chapter 3 in verse number 21, now when all the people were baptized, It came to pass that Jesus also being baptized and praying, the heavens were opened. Now, this is a big moment. God rips the heavens open to declare something about Jesus. And he declares this. The Holy Ghost descended uh, in in bodily shape like like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven, which said, Thou art my beloved Son, in thee I am well pleased. So here we have a statement about identity right after Jesus is baptized. Now, baptism from that point on was always about identity. We identify with the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. We identify with his church. Unfortunately, during this time, we we cannot just because of the virus and everything going on. We can't identify. We can't do baptism. We will very soon. And if you want to be baptized, there's a day coming where you're going to be able to be baptized. But Jesus's baptism right before his temptation shows us a really, really important truth that identity matters, that the identity that God spoke from heaven about Jesus matters. And now the identity that we're going to learn about ourselves matters. So week number one, overcoming temptation. Week number two, we're going to establish our identity in Christ. Everyone, under the sound of my voice, whether you're watching this in a car, at home, after the fact, whatever, your identity is so important. In fact, after becoming a child of God, your identity is your highest priority. 
I want you to say that with me. Kids, say it out. Teenagers, you know, you don't have to be cool. You're just with your family, okay? So say this, my new identity is my highest priority. Let me hear you. I didn't hear all of you. Say, say this with me. My identity is my new highest priority. And I didn't realize that. I, I wish someone would have told me that as a teenager. I wish that, that even in college, yeah, I went to Bible college, even in Bible college, I would have understood the importance of establishing our identity in Jesus Christ. And so this passage in Luke chapter 4, uh, is starting in verse number 14 down through verse 32, we're going to learn about this uh, identity in Jesus Christ that we now have as children uh, of God. Now, let me just tell you, if you're sitting at home where you're like, I don't know if I'm a child of God, I don't know about anything about identity or uh, you know anything you're talking about, if you're new to, to everything that Luke's talking about that we're going to learn today, let me just encourage you uh, that God wants to teach you who you are and who you can be in a relationship with him. And so Jesus returns to Nazareth in verse 14, and he returns to his physical location where they knew his physical identity, and he wants to tell them about his spiritual identity. Now, let me just, let me just say something. Your spiritual identity is so much more important than your physical identity. And we all have a physical identity. We all have a last name, a first name, uh, characteristics that we identify ourselves as. Uh, you know, some people are into sports. Some people are into, you know, geek, geeky, you know, technology things. Some people are into art. Some people, there's so many different things that you might kind of wrap your identity in. But your physical identity comes second when you're a child of God. And, and in verse number 14, Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. Remember, he's coming out of the 40 days of fasting. He's in the power of the Spirit, and he's coming into Galilee, verse 14. And there went out fame of him through all the region round about, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and stood up for to read. Now, when it says that he stood up to read, let me get, just give you a little bit of background and context. The oldest boy in a family would be passed down a text. So a specific test, text for that family. So Joseph was given a text uh, from his father. And then, uh, of course, Joseph being uh, not the biological fa father of Jesus, just the physical father, just the one that helped raise him. Uh, and in fact, the words brought up, I thought this was kind of funny, the, the words brought up in, in this particular text, verse 16, specifically talks about being fed uh, or, or fattened, okay? I don't know about you, but I have a little bit of a quarantine core situation going on, okay? You're, you're, you're eating, you're not ex 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 uh, expending as much energy as you normally would. But as his custom was, the oldest in his family, and the text that he was given, this section of Isaiah, this scroll of Isaiah, he, he made it his habit, his pattern, to open the Word of God in the synagogue. Now, the word synagogue, that's the, that's the Greek word, okay? And the word synagogue means a bringing together, an assembling, a place of sharing truth. Now, the saddest thing about this virus and this pandemic 
is that we can't have a coming together physically. But I want you to know that every morning when you make it your habit and your pattern as Jesus did to read the Word of God with your family or by yourself, I want you to know that's what brings us together. We are united around truth. We're not just united because we can come together or we can't. We're united around the truth that God gives us. And in verse 16, he read in the synagogue. I want to show you a, a picture of the synagogue. This is probably not the exact uh, picture of, of what it looked like, but very similar. And this is still a synagogue today in the city of Nazareth in Israel. And, uh, and so he stood up and he, and he said this truth. And the, and the entire truth that he's saying here is all about the identity that we have in Jesus Christ. Okay, so I want to teach you three truths about establishing identity in Christ. First of all, only God can define our identity. And that grace specifically in this passage is what defines our value. And then we must accept our identity in Christ. We must accept who we are in Christ. Okay, so those are the three truths we're going to cover briefly. First, number one, in, in verse 17, just continuing verse by verse, this isn't what I'm thinking. This is what the Bible says in Luke chapter 4 and verse 17. Uh, we, we see that only God can define us. Only God can define us. There was delivered unto him the book of uh, Isaiah. So, so this was the scroll, the portion of the scroll that his family had inherited to read. And when he opened the book, the words opened the book, it's, it's this word for unrolling. Okay, it wasn't an actual book, it was a scroll. And he uh, started to prepare to read. So it must have taken a while to, to roll it out very gently. Uh, they did not have tons of these scrolls. So I'm sure he was being very careful. He was spreading it out. Uh, we have a picture of a new scroll. So you can see uh, this is kind of a newer scroll. And then this is an actual picture of the entire book of Esther in one scroll. So you can kind of see how big and bulky it would be on a wooden roll. So you can see that picture on your screen right now. And 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 now he gives us these, these verses about identity. So first he says, I'm gonna unroll the, the, the word of God and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna read the word of God. So it's the word of God that defines our person. Okay, and we'll see that in verse 18. And then it's the Spirit of God in verse 18 that defines our position. And it's the heart of God that defines our purpose. Okay, so when we're talking about identity, that's who we are. That's our person, our position, our purpose. Okay, and it's God's word that defines who we presently are, regardless of how we feel about the past, present, or future. Now, let me just tell you that how, you, how you're feeling right now, okay, does not define you. What we're experiencing right now does not define us, okay? Who God says we are defines us. What his word says defines us. That is what we should wrap our identity in. That's, that's how we should define ourselves. So this is what verse 18 says. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And he's direct, directly quoting from Isaiah 61, 1 and 2. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering the sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. So wow, Jesus was making a statement about himself that was written hundreds of years prior. And what was the key word in those two verses in Isaiah 61 that he's quoting verbatim? 
the word, the key words is he is anointed. He is anointed. This is chorizo. Now, not the, not the sausage. Okay. I love that. I know you're hungry. Okay. So, 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 but this, this is, this is a covering, an anointing. It, it is a God-given assignment. Now, dads, you have been anointed as an assi- with an assignment from God to point your family to God. Moms, it may seem so crazy right now. Being at home, if you have young children, man, I'm praying for you. The struggle is real right now. Um, but I want you to know that you're your assignments, those things that you're doing that just seem monotonous and never-ending and the laundry and the dishes and the homeschooling, that you have an anointing for that assignment. Your, your anointing is, is that assignment from God to serve and to influence your children and, and single adults. God has anointed you. Um, don't let this time be wasted. Let me, let me just tell you that right now is the, is the greatest time to serve him. He has given you uh, a God, he's given you a God-given appointment, uh, uh, an anointment uh, for an assignment. And so, uh, listen, and I know what you're saying. You're, you're saying, Pastor, you don't know the house I'm in. You don't know what I'm going through. And I, I want you to know something that, that regardless of what your current circumstance is, God speaks to that. And the Holy Spirit can give you the strength. Let us not forget that we are the house, the temple of the Holy Spirit. So rather than focusing on what's happening in your physical house, what's happening in your spiritual house? What's happening on the inside of you is so much more important than what's happening around you. And so the Holy Spirit reassures our position in Christ. And and the alignment that he gives clarifies the assignments that he gives. Now, you've heard me say that before. I feel like a broken record that our alignment is so much more important than our assignment. Some of you, your assignments have completely changed recently. And you're like, I want my other assignment. And God says, no, no, no. You focus on alignment and you leave the assignment up to me. And so I, I want you to read, I want you to hear what Isaiah 61 says. And I, I want you to understand that, that Jesus knew his Bible. Kids, Jesus knew his Bible as a kid. Uh, young adults, Jesus knew his Bible. And, and this is what he was quoting, the, what he was reading. He, he opened right up to this passage in, in Isaiah 61. He knew where it was at, and, and he knew exactly what he needed to say for this particular time. And he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach the good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Are you brokenhearted right now? Uh, are, do you feel like like y- you need some good news, some good tidings? Uh, this is this was a prophetic word that Isaiah was giving to a very difficult time, and Jesus was bringing this to say, "I'm going to set free those that feel bound. I'm going to I'm going to release from prison those that that feel like they're in bondage." And then he says, uh, "To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord." Verse 19. What does all this mean? Well, our assignments as children of God are to be God's messengers. We are to give good news to the depressed. We are to give strength to those that are hurting, forgiveness to the guilty, truth to those stumbling, hope to the hopeless, and freedom to those in bondage. But above all else, 
The seventh assignment that we see in verse 18 and 19 is above all the other assignments. We are to announce the acceptance God offers to those that believe. You know, God is reaching his arms out to you saying, please choose me, accept me. God has accepted you. Will you accept him? And the heart of God tells us why we are here and how much he cares about us and wants to accept us. So here's a key thought as we uh, finish this first point, and that is that the God who designed us is the only one who's allowed to define us. He designed you, so only he can define you. We cannot allow anything else to define us but God. So what does this look like in everyday life? I want you to see in verses 19 through 27, the fact that God's grace defines our values. So when we say identity, like establish your identity in Christ, what are we saying? We're saying that God defines what's valuable. God defines you as a person. God defines your purpose more than anything else in your life. COVID-19 will not define my purpose. COVID-19 will not define my value or your value. If you lost a position uh, at, at a company or at your work, that does not define you. If you're going through a, a really, really difficult uh, bout with depression or anxiety, that does not define you. Let me just tell you, the grace of God can define the value uh, that you have better than anything else. And so he says, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. The word acceptable is this word dektos. It, it's, it's the word for favorable. Uh, or grace given, welcomed, uh, grace, long waited for grace received. Verse 20 says, he closed the book and he gave it again to the minister. So there were different people who had different uh, roles uh, in, in, in different uh, responsibilities there in the synagogue. And so he gave the role, the scroll back to this man. And then he sat down. He sat down. When he sat down, he sat down in the very seat that was reserved for the Messiah. He sat down in the seat of Moses. Friend, you did not do this unless you were the Messiah. And look at what happened. The moment he sits down, I want you to see this. All the eyes of them were in the, in the synagogue were fastened on him. Verse 20. They couldn't believe it. Not just because he said, this is, this is the year. I am come to be this person who's going to bind up your wounds and I'm going to be the one uh, to bring in this, this freedom. And, and this is the time that we've all been waiting for. But then he sits down in the very seat and everyone's looking at him like, don't you realize what, what you're doing? I'll never forget. I've have you ever felt like someone's like staring at you, you know, like, like, like you're out of place, but you don't know why I, I remember uh, I was, I just come out to California to go to college and I, I'm single. I'm, I'm, you know, just uh, living the good life, I guess. And I remember driving by one of the churches in the Antelope Valley and I saw a bunch of cars there. And I thought, ah, they're having an event. Yeah, I was curious. I pulled in and parked. I walked in and, and there was a ton of hors d'oeuvres all in the lobby. And, and as a young adult, I got excited uh, because nothing's better than free food. I mean, I watched, got a plate. I started, I started eating. The, the people were, were, were friendly and it was awesome. And I, I walked into the sanctuary area. And, and again, like it was almost like all the heads turned and looked at me. And I was like, you know, what's wrong? What, what, what's happening? And I realized at that moment, I was the only guy in a ladies event. 
and they were just staring at me like, did you not get the memo, right? And uh, I exited really quickly. I took my food with me, but I exited very quickly, and uh, and I just felt that awkward moment. And they were all looking at me, looking at me like, "What are you doing?" You know, and, and that was exactly how how it was in that synagogue that day. There was probably about a hundred people there, roughly or so, and, and they were all looking at him like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! Tread carefully." They were friendly, but they were cautious, and it was God's grace that was revealing to them something they needed to listen to. Now, here's, here's a key thought from this point, and that is this, that God's grace is the key to our new identity because our security and our significance is settled in him. You know, he sat down after he finished talking and he sat down and wanted them to know that what he had just said brought them up to date with where they were on the timeline of history. What do, what do I mean by that? Well, I want you to know that Jesus stopped at a very, very important place in Isaiah 61. The fact that he stopped reading where he did was an incredible moment of grace. I want you to read with me in Isaiah 61. It's in your notes. You can open it up in your Bible. And, and I want to read you the rest of verse 2. Because verse 2 says, To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. To uh, comfort all that mourn. Uh, to appoint uh, unto them uh, that mourn in Zion. To give them beauty for ashes and oil of joy for mourning. What is he talking about? When he's coming? No. The second part of, of verse 2 and into verse 3 is talking about the second coming. The time of judgment. Friend, he stopped as if to say, this is not a moment of judgment. This is a moment of grace. He stopped and he sat down and he put a period where we, in our English Bible, put a comma. Let me just tell you something. Wherever God puts periods, I, I want you to just accept that period. We're in a time right now. We don't know if where we're at in, in the timeline of this COVID-19 crisis. But let me just tell you, if you'll trust God with the periods and if you'll give God the commas and not try to put commas where he's put periods and not try to put periods where he's put commas, listen, there would be nothing I would want more than to put a period on the end of this COVID-19. That's not up to me. That's up to God. We must trust him with the timing. He sat down because he wanted everyone to know this is the acceptable year. He wanted you to know, friend, that you are in an age of grace. He's offering grace to you. And the key to your new identity and the value that he gives to you is the grace that he's offering to you right now. And the wonderful thing about this passage of scripture is that grace gives us this feeling and this sense of belonging that nothing else will. You see, it's God's grace that may not look like you thought it would and may not feel like you thought it would. But when we trust and accept his grace, when we trust his timing, friend, we can live a life full of value when everything else around us does not seem like it should. So the question is, how will you respond to the grace that God has given to you? How will you respond to what God is doing in our world right now? Will you be angry with God? 
Will you kind of be in disbelief? Or will you trust God? Will you trust him that he's the one that can bring us through this by his grace, through his strength, and the fact that what he says is valuable, we can trust. And that our value is not in what we do, it's in what he has done. And that our value and our identity is based on our position in him and based on his person more than our person and based on his heart for us, based on his purpose for us that he's established from the beginning of the world. Friend, there's a life worth living and it's the life that is defined by grace. But there's a final truth I wanna give you and that is number three, we must accept who we are in Christ. It's not enough just to define yourself by grace and and the value that God gives you because of the grace he's given to you. It's not enough to understand that he defines you, that only he uh, can give you uh, this sense of belonging and acceptance and and security. It's not enough because if you don't accept it, friend, it has no value to you. You must make what God says about you your identity. You must wrap your value. You must wrap your strength. You must idolize him, you must wrap everything and all of your foundation and all of your expectation and hope and trust in who Jesus is and what he has said. Because otherwise, everything else is a sinking sand foundation. So are we going to accept who we are in Christ? I want you to notice in verses 22 through 27, Jesus gives the fact that it's his grace that gave uh, healing to Naaman, the Syrian. Uh, that it was his grace that, that gave uh, the, the, all of the miracles in, in Elisha and, Elisha's, Elisha and Elijah's day. It was his grace that gave uh, wonderful favor and blessing and healing to those that weren't even Jews. And, and the moment he said that, that, that God's grace wasn't about your definition or wasn't about what you think is important it's what god thinks is important the moment he said that combined with the fact he was sitting in moses's seat that he had just claimed to be the messiah all of that brought them to a point of rejection and in verse number 28 so you you can you can read verses 22 through 27 about uh, the examples he gives and and then in verse 28 through 32 we see the sad rejection of jesus by those in his hometown. Many scholars believe that some of his own family members, maybe even his brother James, was a part of those who initially rejected him, took him out to a precipice, to, to a hill like the one that I'm standing on, like the one behind me. The, the, the fact is that Jesus was led out of town and brought to this cliff because they were not, uh, they were not wanting to accept the reality that he was telling them uh, was found in the Word of God. We have some pictures of, of that uh, precipice and, and that big cliff uh, that, that, is, uh, that is mentioned here in verse 28. Uh, it, it, all they in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath. Okay, that, that anger, okay, that, that they were just so upset. Verse 29, they rose up and they thrust him out of the city and they led him to to the the brow so the the cliff uh, of the hill upon the city where the city was built that they might cast him down headlong uh, it wasn't that that the cliff was so steep it was pretty steep but 
uh, there's if you were to be cast down uh, one of these hills and there was a bunch of rocks at the bottom it, it would be catastrophic and in fact you'll see some of these pictures I mean uh, the the rocks were jagged it would have been uh, incredibly difficult uh, to survive a fall like that and, and Jesus is is put in this position because they did not want to accept who God says they were that God says that they were given grace by his unmerited favor and and I just have to say that Jesus knows how you feel right now. Think about how Jesus felt being rejected. He came into his own and his own received him not. And, and think about, he was lonely. The disciples weren't around him. He hadn't called out the disciples officially yet. He was by himself in his town, rejected by his family. He felt lonely. He felt isolated. He felt rejected. And I want you to know if you feel rejected, if you feel like like you're not really connecting with people right now, I want you to, to have an invitation to connect with one of us, but more than us, I want you to connect with Jesus. I want you to know that he knows how you're, you feel, that, 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 he, that he identifies with that. And here's the key thought from this final point, and that is that each time we choose not to accept who we are in Christ, it does not change our identity but it does change our view of reality. It changes, it distorts our view of what God wants us to see, that, that how he's made us and the identity that he gives us. And so he passes right through the midst of them. And this is a miraculous thing. They were, they were physically taking him to the edge of the cliff. Jesus passed right through them and he went to Capernaum. And in verse number uh, 20, 32, they were astonished at his doctrine in Capernaum and his word because his word was with power. The word power is not dunamis, uh, like strength. It, it's the word for authority or control or dominion. It, it, it's talking about rights. And, and I want you to know that, that your past does not possess the right to define you. Because your value as a child of God is not based on your behavior. It is based on your Savior. It's not based on what you've done. It's based on your birth. The fact that you are a child of God, that's your new identity. And in the same way, our fears and anxieties, they have no authority over us because they don't define us. What might happen is not what we should be looking for value or for comfort. What has happened, the fact that Jesus conquered death, sin, and the grave, the fact that he came out of the grave, the fact that he purchased your uh, redemption, the fact that he has offered you forgiveness, the fact that nothing, no disease, no catas catastrophic circumstance could ever take that away from you. And so here's the takeaway today. Life is worth living when we have been defined by grace and when we are driven by love. Jesus is saying this many times throughout the New Testament. The life worth living is defined by grace and is driven by love. You see, whatever we label as our identity, we have just placed that as our new authority. Because whatever our identity is, that is what our priority is. Identity always pushes priority. It is always something that pushes it. Let me prove it to you. The fact that you identify uh, maybe as someone who's healthy drives your healthy habits. The fact that you might identify uh, as a Christian 
will is it drives you, it motivates you. But the greatest motivator is not just what you know your identity is, it is what you have accepted as your identity. I want to end with this story about a young lady named Katie. She moved with her family uh, to right outside of, of the city of Denver, Colorado, and she was three years old. Her dad was a truck driver and, and many times was absent. Her mom was a single mom working a lot. And, and honestly, um, she, she was alone a lot. She, she felt disconnected. She, she felt a little bit like maybe we all feel, a little bit isolated. And Katie uh, one day was playing in the backyard as a young girl and someone started calling to her through an opening in her fence and it was her new next door neighbor. Uh, she, they had moved next to this elderly couple and, and Arlene and Bill uh, lived and, and worked in their backyard and they had a wonderful garden and over the next few weeks that, that she was, as she was playing in her backyard, they would supply her with treats from, her, from their garden, strawberries and, and other things. And, and she started to kind of develop this, this friendship with this elderly couple through a slot in the fence. And she looked forward to going out there after school and, and, and uh, talking with Arlene and with Bill. Well, the relationship started to develop and her parent or her mom allowed her to to go over to their house when she started getting a little older and, and hang out some and Arlene and Bill started to become very special uh, to Katie and here's a picture of Katie uh, uh, and, and, and a picture of of Arlene and Bill one day Katie just felt like she wanted to express some of her feelings how she felt toward them See, she had never experienced love like they had given to her. And so she sat down on the couch and they were having some iced tea and an afternoon snack. And she asked Arlene and Bill, she said, I have a silly question. Would you guys ever want to like adopt me as your granddaughter? She didn't know how they would respond. She, she felt even kind of stupid bringing it up, but Immediately, they both started to weep. You see, Arlene was unable to have children. And she was so thankful for this newfound relationship she had with this neighbor girl. And they loved investing into her. And they, through their tears, went over to their printer and they printed out a makeshift adoption certificate and put it up on the wall. And they would always joke about that. And over the years, uh, through middle school, they were a comfort to her during all those transitional times. And in high school, Bill taught Katie how to drive and Arlene taught Katie how to sew. And, and uh, they were just uh, really, really good grandparents to Katie. When it was time to go to college, Katie told them that she probably wasn't going to go because uh, she didn't have the money. And they sat her down on the same couch and they said, remember that one day when you asked us to adopt you as your granddaughter. Well, we want you to know from that day until this day, we've been saving. And they provided the money for her to go to college. Katie went to college and sadly when uh, she was just graduating from college, Arlene passed away. She was devastated and she 
went to the funeral and Bill stood up to give the eulogy and Bill, upon standing, he said, Arlene was survived by her husband, me, Bill, and the greatest joy in the world, her granddaughter, Katie. There was not a dry eye in that place that day because there was a special relationship that had begun in a moment of choice. It was a choice to adopt that girl named Katie. Here's a picture of Bill and Katie even today and they still have a great relationship. But I want you to know that your relationship with God, much like the same way, you were separated by the sin of fence, the, the, the offense of sin. You, you, you had no way of connecting with God, but God wanted to connect with you. And my friend, through Jesus on the cross, he gave you an option to be his child, to be adopted by him. And let me tell you, he gave you so much more than a college education. He gave you eternal life. And friend, if you do not know that you have received him, uh, John 1.12 says, but as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. And your newfound identity can define you. And it cannot just define you, but it can drive you. It can motivate you. Why? Because you have to, because this is something that just is expected of you. No, because you want to, because you love, you're loved and accepted because God has given you this wonderful gift of a new identity in him. You want to live a life worth living? Live a life that is summed up by your identity in him. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that if there's one here who does not know that they are your children, They've never received you. They've never accepted your gift of forgiveness and eternal life. I pray that they would do that right now. Friend, heads are bowed. I, I just want you to take a minute. Uh, bow your head and your heart right now in your home and, and wherever you're at. And, and I want you to think to yourself, do you have the certainty of knowing that no matter what happens in this world, that you're his child, he's never going to let you go. That, that you have that security and that significance wrapped up in him. Do you know that? If you don't, I want to give you an opportunity to receive him as your Lord and Savior. I want to, I want to give you entrance into the family of God. Friend, a prayer does not save you, but believing in Jesus alone does. So I want you to reach out to God. Say, dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. And I know that I've wronged you. And Lord, I pray that you'd forgive me of my sins. I turn from my wicked ways and I turn to you. I believe that you are the only way for forgiveness and eternal life. Thank you for dying and, and rising again so that I could be your child. Friend, if you prayed that prayer, I believe that you have just crossed over from being an enemy with God to being his child. If you're his child and you know for certain that you are, can I just ask you, what are you using as your measurement for value? Is it God's grace? Or is it something that you think you've done? Are you wrapping all your significance and your security up 
and your identity in Christ? Does who you are in Christ matter more to you than anything else? Thanks again for listening. If you would like to learn more about our church or how to get connected, check us out online at findnewlife.church or find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook under the handle Find New Life. Have an amazing day.